Blog Talk Radio. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? My name is Quincy. My show, the Talk to Q Radio Show, it's almost like posting a blog, except I'm doing it live. Cool. All about here. Cool. Thank you for having cool. me on your show. So awesome to cool. be here with you and all your listeners. Cool. No, I tell you, don't screw. Screw is cool. Oh my goodness. Oh, that came out. Oh, all kinds of freaky. That's not what cool. I meant. Mean. <laughs> Come on. Come on. You know, we need more shows like this because people need as much relationship help out here as they can get. I was told that I was a man leader. Well, I am pro-woman, but I'm not anti-woman. I know the value of a good man. Come on. Does that make sense? I like Come that. I'm going to say that again. Come on. Easily over cell phones and headsets. 
Now, another way you can contribute to the show is to follow me on Twitter at TalkToQ. There is a live tweet chat that occurs during the show, and you can respond to some of the same questions that I'm asking over the air in most cases. Please search and use hashtag T2Q to read and respond to all show tweets. If you want to learn more about me, the show, or the show legends, then journey on over to TalkToQ.com. And if you can't listen to the entire show live, then you can find T2Q on iTunes and just pick up where you left off. Maintenance complete. All right. T2Q radio show number 532 starts right after these words from Truth Devour and Nick Festari. With graceful, effortless writing, author Truth Devour's Enigma series brings to life the contemporary romantic trilogy, Wanton, Unrequited, and Sated. There are no limits when it comes to a person's search for true love. This story feels more than real and stays with you long after the last page has been read. Wanton, the 2015 winner of the L.A. Book Festival Romance category, is the first book in the trilogy that will get your heart pumping from the start. This is no ordinary love story. If it feels so good loving the wrong person, imagine how wonderful it's going to be when you love the right one. Do your imagination a favor. Wanton, unrequited and sated by Truth Devour. TruthDevour.com It's about time you discovered Nick Fastari. He's big on the dance scene in Europe and huge in Japan. Now Nick Fastari is making it big globally with his exciting new debut EP titled This Is Me Slower and Faster. From romantic ballads to edgier punk rock tinged hits, this new EP could be the soundtrack to your life. Get Nick Fastari's debut EP, This Is Me Slower and Faster, available on iTunes, Amazon, and download sites worldwide. My thanks to TruthDevour.com and NickVestari.com. That's N-I-C-K-F-E-S-T-A-R-I.com. Thanks to both of them for being sponsors of tonight's Talk to Q radio show. I really and especially want to thank um, Truth Devour. We've had a working relationship for quite some time now, and um, I truly appreciate the support. All right. Three seven two zero two zero two one five is the number on the Talk to Q radio show. Cancer affects all of us. Okay. I lost my mom and my wife to cancer in a five month span back in two thousand and twelve. Now, I know others who are currently going through chemo and some who have beaten cancer and no one is above the reach um of the disease. So tonight, you know, I want to discuss it. Um, some people feel the, may feel the need to give testimony about their own personal experience about it. Others may offer insights on how awareness can be raised and maybe some preventive tips. I mean, either way, the purpose of tonight's show is to educate. I mean, it's October, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and it just seemed like now was as good as, t- good as time as any to just have the discussion. It's not anything that necessarily has to be um, long and drawn out or anything like that. 
And, you know, here on the Talk to Q radio show, we still like to entertain. But I also like to bring up important topic as well. Um, not everything's about, you know, what's going on in pop culture, current events, and politics, and things of that nature. Sometimes you have to talk about real life and things that affects people. Um, so that's that's the purpose of tonight's show. But let me go to the 248 area code, the Motor City of Detroit, and welcome on author, show hostess, and show legend, Crystal Hickerson. What's going on? Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing this evening? Pretty good. All right. Very good. So glad to have you on. And we'll go ahead and just get started. Again, 347-202-0215 is the number to join tonight's Talk to Q radio show. And, Crystal, just to to start off, um, you know, and you can give whatever information you you feel comfortable in doing, has cancer Mm -hmm. affected your life in any way from your family, friends, or to your own personal experience? Well, um, cancer has uh, affected my life on a personal experience through myself. I, you know, um, had breast cancer. I was diagnosed in 2013 in October, of all month. October 31st, it was um, Halloween. Hmm. <laughs> and, yeah, it was 2013, Halloween, you know. Scary. Totally beautiful. Yeah. And, um... So for two years after that, I, you know, suffered um, the uh, treatment of cancer and getting over it and going through it. And uh, right now, I'm in remission. Um, and thank you. <laughs> and you know, it's um, it's one of those situations where, you know, you you're in remission but you know, once cancer is in you, it's in you, basically. Um, it could come back, which it does sometimes with a lot of uh women and people who have cancer of, of whatever kind. Mine was breast cancer. And um but, you know, um with remission you learn that, you know, um life is precious. I you know, I always knew that from the the outside of losing so many people to other types of um, of deaths, but you know when it hits you you in your life, uh, you look at things a little differently. And I did, and I have looked at things differently. I'm I'm really a different person than I was two years ago. So very hard thing to go through, but it's good to be on the other side of it and. Many women and uh, people do not survive, as you know, cancer. And and it's all about making sure that you go and get um, tested as often as possible or just go to the doctor anytime you feel any kind of ailment um, just to make sure that you're okay because it may be something else. It may not be cancer, but it may be something else that could definitely kill you. Okay. And... Um... Yeah, and we'll get to some of the doctor visits and things of that nature. Um, let me go to the 850, the Emerald Coastline of Pensacola, Florida. And welcome on the homie Buck. Buck, what's going on? 
What up, what up? How's everybody doing this evening? How you doing, Crystal? Hey, Buck. All right, what's going on, man? And uh, Buck um, has cancer affected, you know, you or family, friends. I mean, has it impacted your life at all? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, my uh, my dad's mom was uh, succumbed to cancer um, back in '83. Um, it was really devastating because uh, I was really attached to I was attached to both of my grandmothers, but to lose her, she was 76. So. Um, it was pretty devastating. At that time, I was kind of young and really didn't know, you know, too, you know, I was didn't know too much about cancer and what it was. But you know, it was explained to me. Now, you know, it's just really difficult to deal with. Um, you know, real hard because you know, just you just don't, you know, you think when it comes to you know, just parents, just parents and grandparents in general. You know, you don't want to lose them. You know, we all know we got to go sometime, but, you know, cancer is like one of those ones that just it just sneaks up on you. And depending on what stage you catch it in, and they didn't really catch it early. Um, it just came, and it really took her really quick. It's like knew she had cancer, like, in November, and she was gone in January. It was just that fast. Um, mm. So it, it was very, very difficult to... Deal with, but she, you know, she had um, succumbed to cancer because she, you know, did a lot of. She's one of the women that like to dip snow. So, as a result of all the, you know, she had throat cancer. It just it took her pretty quick. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And um, yeah. Now, now, let me ask. Let me go back to you for a second, Crystal. And let's just discuss mm-hmm. where we think this comes from now. I don't know if we all have cancer, um, like dormant in our bodies and something activates it or, you know, I'm not exactly sure exactly how all that works. I'm far from a doctor. But do you think, just in your personal opinion, that, you know, GMOs or the way we grow food has contributed to the problems that we have today with cancer? Um, you know, I um I'm sure that is a could be a one cause of how some cancers are formed. Um I we I know we like to put blame on something specific. Um or to say if you don't do this then you won't get cancer. There are plenty of people who smoke and never get cancer. There's plenty of people who um, don't smoke and get cancer of the lungs and things like that. Um, and or breast cancer for people who never had it in their family. Some people think it's hereditary or whatever, but uh, mine wasn't. And so, you know, I mean, cancer is one of those things, it's almost like a blanket term that is used for when something goes wrong in your body. And yeah, I mean, taking care of yourself and making sure that you eat better foods or, you know, more organic or whatever and and uh of course exercise and just natural things uh that help us survive longer or maybe even have our body strong enough to fight off some things, you know, more quickly. You know, those are things that we should do anyway. But sometimes, you know, with cancer 
which is uh, basically just the cells uh, mutating in your body. Um, and what triggers that, they really don't know. They can, you know, guess some of the causes or some things that could heighten it or make it, you know, faster. It's like driving a car. If you drive a car really fast and um, recklessly, then you will probably be more likely to die um, than someone who maybe drives slowly, but there are people who drive very slowly and, and follow the rules and still get hit by, you know, another car. Who, So, you know, it's just those things that you can you can do to do as best you can not to get it, but that doesn't mean uh-huh. you won't. So, um, yeah, I mean, I know there's been, you know, to answer your question, I know there's been lots of, you know, research about different things that could possibly cause it, and one of those things is some of the way we... We manufacture food to make them bigger and, you know, to have more of it and whatever. So, yeah, I guess it could add to it, absolutely. But that may not stop okay. you from getting it. Well, Buck, um, as far as just uh, just a quick side question about the GMOs and everything, because a lot of people do uh, think that's contributing, whether it's true or not. Why do you think that the government would allow people to manufacture food without being required to disclose the contents of the food? Oops, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Buck. I think they're probably trying to keep down the general population. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of conspiracies out there. Um, but, I mean, there, I, also, you know, with that being said, I think there's enough out there um from a health standpoint that's, you know, of the natural variety that's out there that can, you know, keep, you know, can ward off some of these cancers that we, you know, that we face, on a, you know, that we see on a, you know, day-to-day basis. Um, and, you know, I'm I'm always, you know, about, you know, preventive, you know, be, you know, being proactive when it comes to health. And, I mean, for me, being 44 and not having any heart disease or anything like that, at least not yet, thank goodness, I mean, I think it's a product of some of the supplements that, I, you know, I try to stay up on supplements and things of that nature because, unfortunately, our foods just don't have enough nutrients in them in today's time, even the organic ones don't have enough nutrients and, and vitamins and minerals that we need on a day-to-day basis. Um, so, you know, preventive maintenance, I think, your body, from an all-natural standpoint, helps because a lot of the medications that they have out there in today's time got just as much side effects as what you're ailing. So you have to take other medicines as well to kind of counteract some of the side effects from the medicine. So um, I just think that, you know, I think when we're fighting cancer and, fight, you know, trying to prevent it, Really need to kind of look look at it from an all natural approach, but you also have to catch it early as well. Okay, all right. And Crystal, um, I was watching the news yesterday. I think it was NBC World News, and the uh, United States Preventive Services Task Force is recommending changes to breast cancer screening guidelines. Now, this task force is a group of independent health experts. Uh, convened by the Department of Health and Human Services, and, you know, they reviewed and commissioned research to develop computer-simulated models comparing the expected outcomes under different screening scenarios. Now, their recommendation is that routine screening of average-risk women 
should begin at 50 instead of 40, and they think routine screening should end at age 74. Now, they also suggested that women get mammograms every two years instead of every year, and they said that self-exams have little to no value. Um, so what's your opinion on that, Crystal? I mean, at what age do you think women should start getting mammograms, even if there's no history of breast cancer in their family? Well, um, first of all, the reason why that came out is because of the fact that they've uh, more research has been done to say that mammograms may not necessarily give you any type of result. Um, and uh, so they're, you know, they kind of scaled back the age from 40 to 50 because of, you know, some of that research. Um, I think anything that you can do really would would help you as far as um, uh, diagnosing um, yourself or, or, you know, going to the doctor and getting some sort of, you know, mammogram or something. The main thing, I I think, as far as what age, uh, I've known women who've gotten, you know, breast cancer and ovarian cancer in their 30s. So, you know, to say that, you know, you should wait is probably not a good idea. Um, like I said, but again, I know where, where that research is coming from. But um, from my experience, I think that more emphasis should be on physicians um, having more specific testing for themselves to recognize um you know, the cancers and being able to possibly do uh, more biopsies quicker than they do. Um, and I say that because in my diagnosis, um, I had had a um, mammogram um, a few years before my actual diagnosis. And they um, just kind of said, well, they're probably benign. They saw some, you know, growth. So they felt that, you know, that's just natural and it's probably benign. And so that was the end of that. And then a few years later when things were a lot more severe, um, it was, you know, quite obvious that, no, this is not (laughs) benign. Something is really wrong. So I think it's more of more than willing to do some of the tests that they feel may be um, unnecessary, maybe because – uh, I don't know, the insurance of the person or the fact that they don't want to call for tests that, you know, cost, you know, m- more money for the hospital, which is, you know, something that has happened through, for many people, not just with cancer, but with other kinds of um, like tumors and things like that, um, that they don't want to call for MRIs and, and things like that because it's very expensive. And um, so they don't do it. So um, So people suffer and by the time they you know the tumor grows or the cells grow to such a level that you you know you have to act immediately uh, or the person will die and so you know when it comes to the medical field there are so many things that happen you know behind the scenes on the day-to-day basis that are very shocking and um, unfortunate 
and some people die unnecessarily, even though they did go to the hospital or did go to the doctor. They weren't treated uh, or they weren't given the proper examinations. So, so that's what I feel, basically. I think it's, it's, it's more, it's less on the fact that a person should wait and take certain tests or whatever. But I think it's more on the education of the physician to take a more, they should be taking a more proactive um, look at the patients in front of them instead of whatever particular insurance or non-insurance or whatever that they may have. Okay. Okay. And um, I, I definitely, I I guess, Buck, let me go to you. A problem I have with this recent um, finding, I guess, by the Preventive Task Force saying that average risk women, however that's defined, uh, should begin testing at age 50 instead of 40 is that, um, you know, I feel like it's discouraging people to even think about being tested, you know, like until their 50s, essentially. I mean, when the average person sees this, they may not consider family history and things of that nature, and they might say, well, I'm good until I'm 50, you know. And then they also say self-examinations really don't work, so they're like, no sense in feeling for lumps because these people say I don't have to. I mean, do you agree with how all of this was presented? Because it just comes off as if, People just don't have to worry about anything, you know, women until they're 50. I don't agree with it at all because um, since I've been here in Pensacola, um, there's, there's a lot of cancer here. And, and I think it, it, has, it really has to do with the high levels of mercury that's in the drinking water here. It's 32 times above normal. So there's a lot of breast cancer. There's a lot of every kind of cancer down here. So um, my thing is I think – Instead of waiting until 50, I don't think you should wait. I think it should be at that thing. Testing should start at 30 because I've seen, since I've been here, I've seen more people before they even hit 40 die of cancer, which is really startling. Um, Right. Right. I mean, my my wife got diagnosed at 29, and she was gone at 39. Yeah, so my thing is, Waiting is not is something that I don't think is an option, especially in areas that have bad drinking water. Vegas being second on the list, Pensacola being first in the nation. So I think, you know, really and truthfully, instead of waiting until 50, I think that age needs to be lower um, to 30 because early diagnosis has higher percentage of survival. And when you're, you know, you're not, if you're waiting till 50, you might be already in the category two to category four state. You're doubling your chances of not surviving and it being terminal. So I just don't agree with those, you know, those findings. I know they did a lot of research and things of that nature, but I don't agree with that. I don't agree with it at all. Okay. And, um, Again, I just I don't necessarily and 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 like like Buck said, I don't agree with it. Um, again, I'm not a doctor. I just I've seen so many cases of people at such a young age contracting you know breast cancer or being diagnosed with breast cancer and things like that that it just really bothers me to see it kind of put the way that it is that hey 
your average risk, whatever that may mean, and no one knows what that means, then you can wait until you're 50 and self exams don't work. I just, I, I don't like that at all. But, um, okay, so, Crystal, let's talk about, well, before we get into chemotherapy, Crystal, I want to ask you about reconstructive surgery. Um, now, my mom had like a form of blood cancer, so it didn't require any type of surgery or anything. But uh, my late wife had to have a double mastectomy. Okay. And so that was done almost immediately after the diagnosis. And, you know, she had the reconstructive surgery. Dr. Shelby Brantley did a great job and everything. But um, you hear about things like that. When you hear about, like, Lance Armstrong lost a testicle. Um, and, and, I mean, how can someone, I guess, feel whole when a part of them is not there? I mean, that just being diagnosed is traumatic enough. Um, well, yeah, I mean, um, for myself, I had to go through that. And, you know, it, it uh, especially, yeah, when you talk, especially when you're talking about um, organs such as your breast, uh, testicle, things that are, you know, kind of definitive of your male or female, you know, state and not having them, you know, your ovaries or ovarian cancer, et cetera. You know, we just had um, Angelina Jolie, who preventively took both of her breasts out and her um, ovaries um, because she had to, has the gene in her, her body. So, I mean, it does affect you. Um, for breast, yeah, you can get them... You can have them, you know, reapplied cosmetically. Um, and that may help quite a bit, actually, um, as far as, you know, your self-esteem and your feeling of still being a woman and all that. Um, but uh, if you haven't had any children, and uh, that can definitely affect you, uh, especially if you had to give up your ovaries. And uh, that can affect a lot of parts of your life, but especially, you know, your feeling of, of being a woman and uh, it's hard to um, to look at yourself in the mirror and, yeah, know that a part of you is gone. I mean, this, um, the disease, you know, the cancer just literally ate away, ate away at you and destroyed yeah. a part of you. Um so yeah, so it, it, you know it's it's a very hard thing to get around. I mean, there's so many things that happen to you when you go through cancer, things that are, are really side effects of the of the uh, treatment. So, um, like you lose your hair, you, you lose, you know, and then of course you lose breast or part of you. So, so yeah, it can be very hard. So a lot of support is needed, you know, emotional support from family and friends if you're lucky enough to have that. And so, um. You know, that's why I say for caregivers and people around, and you know, just be, just still, you know, be there for for someone and allow them to express themselves. And um, and if you are a mate, um, then you know you're watching your um, your wife or your friend or whatever um, lose a part of them and maybe a part of them that you really really liked, and you know, it's not there anymore. Um, 
So that, then that can affect how they deal with uh, relationships, um, even the ones they're currently in or the ones they may be in in the future. You know that that affects because not every woman um, decides to get the reconstructive surgery where you actually get more breasts. So, you know, some women don't do it. You know, I mean that's an option. It's not a re- um, requirement. Well, the only requirement is that the breast is taken off, but it's not required that you get you know the cosmetic surgery to to survive. You know. So some some women don't. Uh, so you know it's um it's a very emotional thing. So it changes a lot of a lot of you. And, you know, not just the fact that if you, if you survive, not just the fa- fact of surviving, but how you survive. Who are you after this? You know. Yeah. Um, so and a big part of you is not is not gone. <laughs> so so yeah, it, it can be very hard. But I just to say for people just to be very supportive and to accept support and help um, if you're one going through it. Okay. Okay. And um, now I know that has to be difficult and I, I remember how my wife felt afterwards um, because that was just a part of her. You know, a very a part of her that she enjoyed. You know, I mean, she was 38 double D's. And so that was taken away from her. And after the surgery, I think she ended up being a 36-something, I don't recall. But anyway, uh, it's just, and then like I said, with Lance Armstrong, and I mean, a part of you was gone, and you already have to deal with this thing inside of you that you don't know what's going to happen. And it's just, man, it's just rough. And having to sit back and watch someone go through it can be, you know, as I guess uncomfortable as someone, well, not as uncomfortable as someone who's going through it, but I mean, as uncomfortable as someone who doesn't have it can get. Um, But Buck, let me go back to you and let's talk about the treatment. Chemotherapy is super expensive. Will a cure for cancer ever be created as long as the treatment is so profitable? Well, probably not. Um, However, I think strides are made. I think there have been some advancements over the last few years um, that we're starting to hear about that um, some sort, you know, some, you know, types of cancer may have cures now. Um, I don't think there's any way that we'll be able to cure all cancer, uh, simply because it's just, cancer is just so broad. And I mean, there's so many different types, and it seems to be seems like every you know every five or ten years ago. I mean, five or ten years go by, it seems like more you know a new form comes out. Um, but you know, as long as there's research, and and my thing is, as far as the cancer goes, I mean, if you can catch it early, and that, I mean that's why I really think tests need to be done early. Uh, mm-hmm. If you suspect, you know, if you have you know if your family has a history of it. It's something that, you know, something you really need to start thinking about because, you know, now we're in an age where these types of these types of things, um, and depending on how you live your life prior to getting into your 40s and 50s, I think it has a lot to do with how you're going to live the rest of your life. So, you know, you really have to kind of, you know, start kind of looking at things, having, you know, where you take for granted, 
that you don't have a health care position, if some of us don't, um, you know, these are things that you really got, you know, you got to have a primary doctor so you can kind of get, get annual checkups or every six-month checkups um, just to kind of make sure that, you know, you're okay. Um, you know, eat, you know, as best you can. Take a multivitamin. Uh, I'm, I'm an advocate of, multi, you know, multivitamins and things of that nature and try to get the best ones that are potent as possible. Uh, the multivitamin I take, I, there's, you know, I, I do a physical job every day, so I stay in relatively good shape. But at the same time, I don't get to eat the way I want to eat. Now, I have changed eating habits over the years, so I mean, you know, I do pretty well with that. But um, there's some times where you just can't get fruit or, you know, you can't, you don't eat vegetable that day. You kind of splurge and, you know, get something that's not too healthy for you. But at least the multivitamins that I take, they do have vegetables and fruit that are in them and have it, have it in high quantity, which is really good. So regardless of whether I fit, physically eat fruit or not, I'm getting what I'm supposed to have, you know, from a daily, you know, value or whatever that they have, you know, whatever skills they rate that on. So I think if you do, you know, if you do your due diligence as far as your health is concerned, try to eat the right foods, exercise, and also do research on trying to find what, you know, cancers can't live in uh, dirty bloodstreams. Um, an article I read many years ago, uh, actually in Muscle and Fitness magazine, I stumbled across um, chlorophyll and what it does for the body. And chlorophyll actually prevents cancer cells from being able to live in your bloodstream, which is pretty good. Now, that's not what I take it for. I take it for other properties, but just to know that that does help, hey, it's all good for me. So just certain things like that, do a lot of research on what works. I mean, all natural remedy, you know, all natural things, I'm a, I'm a big advocate of that. It keeps you off of all these doggone pills that these drug companies have you taken. And uh, those are things that can really help. Um, alternative medicines can really help and try to get you over the hump, you know, especially if you catch cancer early and can put it in remission. Okay. And, Crystal, how do you feel about um, chemotherapy and the expenses that surround um, cancer? Because, you know, there's some treatments, if a person doesn't have good benefits, you have some treatments that can run like five, six grand every time you sit down you know, in the chair, so. Well, um, <laughs> well, definitely, uh, well, as far as when I had to go through, um, you know, chemotherapy was uh, something that you had to do. I mean, there was no way around it. As far as the cost, I wasn't really caring about that <laughs> um, at the time. I just, um, needed the treatment, and yeah, I mean, it was extremely expensive, um, thank God I had um, insurance uh, in order to offset most of it, and I was able to, you know, and, and in the end of all of it, I, didn't, I ended up just owing, you know, maybe a little under $10,000, so, but I had insurance. So, I mean, um, which is critical for a lot of people, um, you know, when we're talking about, you know, the uh, universal uh, insurance that, um, you know, was put out by um, Obama. I mean, it's 
these are critical things that people are going through. They would lose everything um, because of an illness. And, you know, as far as, you know, the, you know, them not wanting to cure cancer or, you know, they have a, a cure for cancer, you know, in a, in a vault somewhere. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that, um, I think that if someone's found or if someone um, maybe outside of the vault arena uh, found a cure for cancer, I don't think that they would, I think they would probably die before they would not release it. Um, you know, it's it, you know, to me, uh, I, I like to compare that to uh, similar to um, the Internet, uh, how you know the the invention of the internet was you know put out there for free and it gave them the um the algorithm so they can make it for free so you can do it so that's why we have the internet you know because it says no I'm not going to keep it I'm going to give it away <laughs> you know because you know it should be free and so i think the um the same would go for cancer if someone actually was able to find it the right person i guess um, and I know they were working very hard, but if you are able to do it, I think they would be given away. Um, be, I mean, or at least put out there where they would at least have to acknowledge that it, it, it exists. Um, although conspiracy theories have already said that it does exist somewhere, uh, just like many of the cures for other you know types of infections already exist. But um, as far as, you know... Um, when it comes to the medical costs, the chemo, of course, is extremely expensive. You have chemo, then you have radiation, and you know, and everything that goes around it—not uh, just the um, medicine itself, um, medicine, aka quote unquote—but um, it's the um, the facility, um, you know, where you have to be, the, the fact of housing the people for the time that they have to be on chemo. Um, there's, you know, there's a lot, of course, that goes into it, um, and the surgeries and, and everything. There's so, you know, there's so many doctors that uh, it's not just one doctor. You know, there's, there's many doctors that you have to um, come in contact with. So, so the the procedure and everything it adds up very, very quickly um, uh, when it comes, you know, to cancer and, and some other diseases. But I assure you that when you're going through it, you really don't give a shit how much it costs. Um, you just need the medicine. You just need it. You just gotta have it, and it's just, and you really don't care. So. Mm. Yeah, you gotta have what you gotta have, you know. But I mean, it's very intimidating to, mainly to the people who, um, the family members, who are trying to see their loved ones get well. Uh, you know, there was a story recently about a guy that robbed a bank, uh, something that was surrounding um, his daughter or something having cancer. Uh, now I don't know how true that was because I think he did buy some things before he actually <laughs> got caught uh, that were non-cancer uh, treatment related. But um, it can really put a crunch on a family to try to figure out what they can do if they don't have the, the right benefits. And uh, King Mary Weather chimed in on Twitter and said a cure is probably already created. Like, 
Crystal alluded to somewhere in the vault. And I would like to think that uh, no one would sit on that, you know. Uh, Lady T says that it's possible, but she chooses to believe in compassion of humanity over the greed of money. Yeah, 50 years ago, I would choose compassion over greed, too. But these days, man, I don't know. Folks are just so self-serving. It's ridiculous. But uh, just a couple more questions. Um, but some people consider a cancer diagnosis as a death sentence. How do we get rid of that mindset and show that it can be defeated? Because there are so many examples, you know, Crystal included, that, you know what, you can beat cancer. Yes, you can. Um, I have a friend of mine that um, works here, and and she had breast cancer as well. And she had um, breast removed uh, last year, actually. And um, she had, um, I guess she had the breast implants and one burst, and she didn't know it was leaking, and, <clears throat> and that's what caused the cancer. It also caused a, a little bit of brain damage because the, whatever the fluid was, pink silicone or whatever it was in her breast, actually got in her bloodstream and actually gave her a little bit of brain damage. She is, she did recover, is in, in remission and doing well and back to work, but at the same time it did damage, but she survived because they were able to catch it early. Um you know, just because you get, you know, a, you know, get diagnosed with cancer, you can defeat it. I mean, and that's why, you know, I, I'm stressing that, you know, as long as you get out there and catch it early, I mean, and do the things. There's a lot of research that's been going on. The Cancer Treatments, Treatment Centers of America uh, has, you know, if you go to a place such as that, um, they have some options for you. Um and they're, they're actually adding some homeopathic-type medicines um, in addition to, you know, and, and in addition to and or, you know, not having to use as much radiation and, you know, doing diet things and things of that nature to help combat cancer and, you have you know, get over it faster and things of that nature. So, you know, it's very, very important, but it's not a death sentence. You know, as long as you can get, you know, do the things that you need to do to, you know, fight it, you'll be fine. I mean, it can, you can survive it. Okay. And, Crystal, what do you think? I mean, what's your message to those out there who, you know, feel like, oh, my goodness, I'm going down this dark path. What's going to happen? I mean, because I, I honestly think that, what kept my wife alive for so long was her attitude. Yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, mind over matter, um, being able to have the strength to survive, uh, the fight and the will to live is, is, um, is very real. Um, and, um, having, of course, you know, support from others and accepting the support does absolutely um, help. Um, I know that uh, when I was uh, going through cancer and the chemo and, and all the treatments and everything, I, you know, there was <laughs> there were some days I was so weak, I, it was, you know, I, I couldn't fight anymore. And, um, and it's not that I wanted to die. It was more like, well, if I did, there would be nothing 
I could do about it, and I was just fine with that. And you know, you you come to, um, you come to a certain peace with when you come so close, you know, to the edge. I guess you know, um, you know, you know, you also find that it's not death is not as scary as um, as you think. The further away from it you get, the more scary it is. The closer you get, the you know, sometimes it can be a very welcome thing. It's not as, um, you know, it's not as bad as it may seem, and, and, and it may sound very morbid, but really it isn't because, um, and I think more people working in hospice that I do, um, I know that, you know, people who die of natural causes when they're older, I mean, they become very, very much at peace with what's next. So, um, and sometimes with cancer, I know, I know the, the whole thing about, you know, you have to fight it, you know, and the yes, attitude is, is definitely helps. And I would say just um, while you're going through it, try to live um, as, you know, as, as best you can. Try to find um, the joy. Um, I know for myself I found the joy in the, the people who were around me and um, learning who, truly cares about you, you know, um, and who doesn't, and and that's okay, you know, but it's great to be able to weed them out, <laughs> you know, and but you find a, a certain a joy in that, and I think that um, sometimes it takes those types of situations for you to really, truly um, feel love and um, feel pleasure and beauty in every day, little things that we overlook because we just get up, we go to work, we do, you know, we don't think about, uh, you know, the beauty in the sunrise, uh, the beauty in the changing of the seasons or um, a bird coming to your window. I mean, just little things that, you know, we don't recognize, but when you're, uh, you're lying there or sitting up or wherever you are and, and all you can do is just look around, you can't, you don't have the strength to do anything else. You start to see the the beauty in the world, and you start to see the beauty in the people who love you and care about you, and they want to take care of you and help you. That's really what life is all about. So I would say for those who are going through this illness, um, is to really pay attention to that, hone into it, and if you are able to be on the other side of it for however long that lasts, then you can really start to. Um, really enjoy it and really get out there and, and be, you know, a voice for other people and and listen and start listening to people and what they have to say. And, and I can go on and on, but I just, you know, I mean, I think it changes you in a more positive way, I think, more so than anything. And even if you don't make it on the other side of it, you, you do, um, for, for the caregivers, I would say, to know that, um, even in all the pain that you suffer, there is a beautiful light that does surround you. So know, just know that about your loved ones, that um, they did experience joy and they appreciated you being there probably more so than any other time that you spent with them. So I take that with you, even if they didn't survive, because in a way they did survive. They survived a lot. So I... Um, that's what I would say to those who are left behind and for those who are, are able to continue forward and just remember that. 
Okay. Thank you. Very well stated. Um, I, I, I do agree that, uh, you know, like you said, even if they don't survive, there's still something that was gained from uh, maybe the support a person may receive from loved ones and things of, of that nature. But for those who may be going through it, um, I just want to say, you know, you have to maintain a positive attitude. You have to understand that it's not a death sentence. It's a word we don't want to hear, you know, but it's not a death sentence. It's something that can be treated and you can get over it. Um, I had someone that just posted, um, some well, multiple people who posted on Facebook um, about people they know who have gone through it. Um, Ty Richards down in New Orleans talked about how her grandmother beat cancer at a, you know, a very um, late age in her life. I think she was in her 70s. Um, Felicia George chimed in, and I'm not sure where Felicia is from, but she chimed in and mentioned that she got diagnosed at 33, and now she's been cancer-free for 11 years. And, I mean, so it helps to have a good support system, but you have to, like I said, understand that you can get to the other side and you can beat it. It's just a matter of thinking that you can. You have to truly believe it. I know everyone out there is not religious, but for those who are, you know, hold fast to your, your faith and trust and believe that you'll be guided through it. And it won't always be easy. You won't always feel the best and, and everything, and you'll get tired. But if you have that desire to live, then you can get through it and you can overcome it. All right. So as far as um, – but you mentioned your your grandmother passed away from it, I think, in like 83 or something. But do you know some cancer survivors? Yes, I do. Um, just like I stated earlier with my friend Peggy, that is, she survived. Um, <clears throat> also, I've had a couple of coworkers that, that also survived um, <clears throat> due to various uh, cancers. Because, like I said, it's kind of rampant here, unfortunately. Um, when I first moved here, though, I did have one lady that uh, had a type of bone cancer that didn't, she did not survive. Um, she had had several uh, bone, uh, bone marrow transplants. Not the uh, the when they switch the blood or something to get her to you know do blood transfusion to try to get the blood out of her to out of her system that way, and it didn't work. And she had several, she had tried this was like the third or fourth time, and um, you know, but even you know she gave it a courageous fight, and we learned a lot about it. I think. The more that we fight to try to find uh, cures to these cancers, I really think that uh, each time that that somebody goes through it, I think they find a, another way to maybe fight it. It may be easier for somebody else that may be fighting the same, you know, the same type of cancer or same, you know, same disease, even in a lot of cases. So, as long, you know, as long as the researchers never stop the fight. I think, you know, I think, you know, we might be able to reach some sort of, you know, cures for some of these. Okay. And um, 
I agree. And there's a question from Facebook and from Kimmy, Kimmy Bernard, um, and she's in Memphis. And she asks, is there any advice for those who are providing the support to and trying to be strong for them as well as yourself? And uh, I'll gladly answer that, but I'll go ahead and defer to to Crystal first. Crystal, um, I'm assuming you had the support of your children um, and, and loved ones and everything. I mean, for those people who don't have it, but they're like trying to be the support system for the person who does, do you have any advice to them on how they can remain strong? Um, is this advice for the caregivers or for people, friends of caregivers? Um, for the caregiver or for the just, you know, yeah, just maybe they're not necessarily in your household, but they're people you may see or talk to regularly, you know, people who just are in your life, family and friends who are there to support and help you get through it. Well, you know, I would say, um, first of all, <clears throat> for either the caregiver or friends of caregivers, people are around, the one thing you want to do is always um, to support them is to not necessarily, do, do not wait for them to ask you for support. Um, most people won't do that uh, anyway. Um, and do not assume that just because a person is smiling and everything, they keep saying, oh, everything's fine, I'm good, I'm getting through it, and uh, the power of prayer and all that, that, that they do not need help uh, and support. And your support doesn't have to be anything, you know, unanimous where you're saying all these profound things. Um, what you need to do is, let's say, um, you know that maybe their loved one just went into surgery, um, or the, you know, so they're down for a little while and, and um, recovery, or they, you, you know, you kind of figure out the um, the chemo structure where they, you know, their loved one has just gone through chemo, which means that the following few days. Um, are going to be very, very hard, So, which which means it will be hard for the caregiver. Um, the best thing to do is to just, you know, offer your support by going over and maybe um, taking some food or maybe when you get there, start doing things around the house. Um, one thing I've always uh, appreciated is when a person, you know, who, who are friends with me and who know me, um, they they don't wait you know, for me to reach out, you know, they just, they come and they just do. Um, and the, the, to appreciate that, or they take care of others. I have to um, say when I went into surgery, um, my brothers and my dad came from out of town and they came and were here with my son, who was my primary caregiver. And, um, and, of course, my daughter was here, but, you know, he's older. So he was a primary caregiver, and he was doing a lot, you know, and everything. But I watch what, when they came, and they just came. They just say, okay, we're going to be here. So they didn't wait for me to say, you know, can you come for the, you know. They just did it, of course. And so they came, and they were there for him. And they, you know, made it lighter for him by taking on responsibilities just out of his hands without, you know, waiting for someone to say anything. They just did it, like cooking food or, you know, doing errands or whatever, you know. 
and and then of course laughing with him and keeping him his spirits up and stuff like that and of course being there in the hospital with him and everything and and my daughter and so when that was over I, I mean as I watched him I saw I literally saw the weight come off of him even though you know I was still going through what I was going through so right. you have to interject you have to interject and that's the main advice I can give anyone is don't wait and don't think that you have to do and or say something so profound. You know how amazing right. it is for someone just to be there? Even if you're not doing anything, you're just sitting there with them. They're not alone. Um, you're watching TV with them. You are, I don't know, just having a conversation. Or you're just present. Or maybe you went and got some water and allowed them to sit while you went and got water for their loved one or whatever. And um, I think a lot of caregivers, and and mainly because I work in this field, a lot of caregivers are are alone. Um, They may have plenty of uh, brothers and sisters and family members around them, but a lot of times those people aren't helping. They're just there, and they're arguing or they're doing whatever. But it's amazing how when someone actually does something, washes dishes, they just take it upon themselves. We used to do this all the time. You know, years ago and back in the day, you come over and you bring a plate and you think, you know, well, that's a big deal. I brought a plate. But that's a, that's huge. That's something they don't have to do. So I would say just interject yourself. Um, don't wait. Just do. And, and be genuine about yeah. whatever it is that you're doing. Absolutely. I agree with all of that, um, especially the being there part. Um, when my wife was going to chemo, Either I would go or her mom would go most of the time. And sometimes she, you know, would sleep during the process if it was like a long treatment. And she would just open her eyes and she'd look at you and she'd just smile and go back to sleep, you know. And, you know, you never really thought about it. But like you said, she was just happy that someone was there with her. Most of the time I was just reading the newspaper or something like that. Um, And as a caregiver, it's very difficult. All right. I I feel like I went through a lot of stress because I didn't know what to do. I'm the type of person I want to fix every problem and this is something that I could not fix, you know, and it's stressful not knowing what to do. You know, and just you know, you try to you you want to be supportive, you want to be strong because not being strong makes it harder on them. All right, cuz now, you know, they feel like they're causing you to be stressed out. They're a burden to you. And you never want to give that type of um, impression that someone that you love who's going through something is a burden to you because you may not know how to process something. So they have groups that people can attend. Um, a lot of times at the cancer treatment centers where you can uh, meet once a week or twice a week with other caretakers of people who are going through chemotherapy or something, and those support groups can help you out. That's very good. And, you know, like Crystal said, just having someone to talk to or someone who just does things for you to help you out, you know, because there were times where if I'm at the hospital and I I couldn't cook or something, you know, at the time when my mom was well, my mom would cook. 
You know, that's one less thing I would have to worry about doing if I got home late or something like that. So, I mean, all those things make a huge difference in someone's life because as a caretaker, it's difficult. The most difficult thing that I think I went through with my mom is that about probably two weeks before she passed, she was really weak, okay, and she could barely feed herself. And I had to feed her. And just the thought process of, man, I've come full circle from her feeding me as a baby to me being an adult and having to feed my mom. You know, that was very hard to process, very hard to process. And even though I was glad to to do it and I, I'm glad to be able to do it for her, it still just, man, it was so painful sitting there feeding my mom, you know. So when you have people who are going through um, something as stressful as cancer, please don't forget the people around them, the people who are taking care of them, the spouses, the siblings, the parents, or the children. Look after them, too, all right? Ask them how they're doing, all right, and, and let them talk if that's all it takes. You know, don't offer advice. Let them talk, you know. And like Crystal said, don't ask to do anything for them. Do it. Just do it. And I guarantee you that goes a long way towards their state of mind, which will go a long way towards the person who's the patient's state of mind. So, and Kimmy said, thanks, uh, Crystal. So, all right. Um, we're going to take a break. I really appreciate all the um, the candidness in, in involved in this discussion. And for, for from Crystal and, and Buck and for those on Facebook who shared stories about their loved ones. Uh, again, you know, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, but there's more than breast cancer out there that's affecting people. You know, cancer itself is something that needs to be eradicated, you know, and it probably won't happen in our lifetime, but in the meantime, we got to learn how to deal with it um, and help support those going through it and their loved ones who are trying to help them get through it. So, Right now, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to play a little Steve Ryan, um, his cut called Real Time. And uh, you can go to steveryan.com. That's Steve, R-Y-A-N.com. You can find him on Facebook at Steve Ryan Band. He's a brother out of New York, has four albums already. And this song is called Real Time. And we'll come back with another discussion that's medically excuse me, that's related to medicine. Um, and it's actually very disturbing. I mean, it's something I didn't even want to discuss, but I think that the listeners out there deserve to know what's going on. So here's Steve Ryan with Real Time, and we'll be back.
The novels of Crystal Hickerson, The Magician, the metaphysical action drama about the fight between good and evil which holds the fate of man in the balance. Street Corners, a tragic romantic crime saga of a man who has the hearts of two very different women in his hands. The choice he makes will hurt them both. Wanted, a ghostly story about a woman caught between the planes of life and death. It is left up to the reader to decide which reality was real. The Volunteer. The struggle of a man with his career and his life teetering on thin ice. Can love truly conquer all? And if you think this is the end for Crystal, you would be wrong. For as you listen to this, a new dynamic tale is on the way. Go to crystalhickerson.com to purchase all of her novels. Follow her on social media and listen to her on the radio at thecrystalshow.com. Enter the amazing world at crystalhickerson.com. Hi, this is Aaron Anderson of the Marriage and Family Clinic at RelationshipRx.net, and you're listening to the Talk to You radio show, No Experts, Just Opinions. on the Talk to Q radio show. We've taken some serious topics that had some, you know, and had some lighthearted fun with it. However, this topic is so disturbing that I almost didn't have the stomach to bring it up on the show. Um, It's called bug chasing. Bug chasing is the practice of pursuing sexual activity with HIV-positive individuals with the end result of hopefully contracting HIV. Uh, it's a form of self-harm, you know, like cutting yourself. Bug bug chasers seek partners who are HIV positive for the purpose of having unprotected sex and becoming HIV positive themselves. Now, the people who give them the virus are referred to as gift gift givers. And, um, you know, they comply with the bug chasers' efforts to become infected. So um, I'll just start with this simple question, and Crystal, I'll start with you. And I don't think that this topic really requires too many questions, but what are your thoughts on bug chasers and gift givers? Um, well, many people want attention, and there are some people who are very, um, I don't know, they have a, uh, some psychological illness who would like to be um, ill in order to get more attention. And there's actually a, a word for that, but I can't think about it right now. It's not exactly hypochondriac or something else. But anyway, um, so I'm not very surprised by this, actually. <laughs> um, but I think it's ridiculous, and I think it is definitely, uh, of course, a, a mental issue uh, that needs to be dealt with. And I 
Um, for the people who already have AIDS um, or HIV positive who would uh, participate in this, this is, that's, that to me is more disturbing than the other way around uh, because at least I can put a, an illness to it, um, to the other way, but to those who um, who would do it to someone else, I would think that it um, maybe plays in a little bit of anger, so there's some mis- mental issues there. Um, anger for their situation and wanting to lash out and, you know, kind of a thing. So, yeah, you know, of course it's very disturbing. And these are people who need some clinical counseling. Buck, what do you think about this, man? Wow. I really don't know anything that I can really say about this. I mean, this this is new to me. I've never heard anything like this before. Am I surprised by it? Yes, a little bit, to a certain extent, um, but to me, I mean, I understand that sometimes people want to get attention, but I don't know if I would want to get attention by getting sick and dying, and especially asking the ones that are actually positive to actually give them this mess is really just outright bizarre. Um, wow. Wow. Um, really, are any of the crimes for you to know that you have AIDS and get you know and give the disease to somebody else? Um, I'm not sure. I think I think it is a crime for you to do that. I mean, um, but if they're but if they're asking for it, I don't know if it is. Well, even if they're asking for it, I think you know it should. I just don't think it should be. Um, this is really, really bizarre. I had to take a drink on that one. Um, but um, I don't know. I mean, it's um, that's really scary that we actually have people out there that would actually want to contract something like that, and then the the dub it, you know, on top, you know, give it a name and all this kind of stuff is really just it's really bizarre. It just really goes to show you there's some sick individuals in this, you know, out here. It, it, it is speaking. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I mean, when I first heard this, and I heard this guy give his description of what it was like. This guy said that when he looked into the eyes of the doctor, as this person, and he used the word impregnates him with his toxic seed. He said that the thrill is just, you know, beyond anything one can imagine. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this guy is just, I mean, it was just really creepy to kind of of hear all of this. And um, I read an interview about a guy that did contract HIV uh, from it. And now he says that, you know, his sex life is, is boring. Because, you know, he said he can't even have get an erection anymore because the thrill is gone. The whole thrill was contracting it. And now that he has it, you know, he takes his his meds. He still leads a somewhat normal life. But he just doesn't have a thrill or a desire to live almost the way he made it sound. And I'm like, what is going on, you know? And um, he says that he didn't have any desire to be a gift giver, that he only has sex with other HIV positive people, but I mean, 
I don't know. This is something that just kind of came out of left field and caught me off guard, that this is a form of long suicide, if you ask me. And not everyone that gets HIV dies. I mean, medicine's pretty good now. But, um, Crystal, you know, this is the guy, like I said, that said that he did it just for the thrill. Now the thrill is gone. But let's go back to what Buck said, Crystal. Should gift givers be prosecuted for attempted murder um, when they allow this to happen? Or since the bug chasers know the risk, is it just consensual sex? Well, um, I think there uh, it could be a crime committed. I mean, it, I mean there are crimes that are prosecuted even without the you know necessary um, admission or prosecution of the actual uh, victim per se. Um, so, you know, I, I you know I, I kind of would want to go to to the level of, yeah, I would say they need to be prosecuted just for, you know, maybe to possibly deter people from doing this. However, um, how, I don't know exactly how you would um, find out that this was, that a crime was actually being committed. Um, right. I mean, you want to find out after the fact or, or if, you know, someone was very vocal about it or something and, you know, um, maybe having people pose as those who are, Infected, and you know, like um, detectives, or you know, to go undercover or something like that, and, and pose as someone who's being infected in order to um, catch people in doing this. So, and then you know, prosecute them for seeking people out to you know infect them. So you know, to deter their behavior or something. Um, but other than that, I really don't know if there's a, a whole lot you could do um, unless the person was very verbal about it, um, and they may well be. Um, I would say for, you know, those who are infected, if you come across someone who seems to be very much into becoming infected as well, that you would report them or just not be with them, just, you know, because uh, what you're doing is you're putting a strain on on the medical community. I mean, as far as uh, you, you're making, you know, you could consequently make um, the meds are already high, but you can make them even higher. You know, um, you know, the stipulation is uh, or the you know stigma is already there for uh, HIV um, carriers, and and now to have HIV carriers who actually wanted it, I mean. I think that is a complete offense um, to those who are actually struggling and um, for whatever reason they didn't want the disease, even if their lifestyle, you know, ended up making it, you know, easier for them to to contract it. But to the fact of someone actually going out and getting it, yeah, I think that that would be, um, should be some sort of uh, offense for that and to be prosecuted. Buck, um, you can kind of finish your thoughts on the prosecution aspect of you believe they should be put in jail, right? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, since they, you know, we got, you know, they're making it sound like, you know, you know, you know, you got the, you know, uh, what did you say, gift givers? 
So yeah. we need to put, you know, we need to have a crime, you know, assigned to it, like attempted sexual murder or something like <laughs> that. Or I mean, are you laughing? But I'm being serious. I, I mean, I just I don't think that's the gift something. I like to give is a stick upside the head. That's the gift I like to give. Yeah, something. You know, um, it's just um, it's really sad that you know that we got people out here is actually doing this this trifling ass shit. I mean, because this is <clears throat> basically what you're doing is you you're actually committing murder, um, uh, manslaughter, if you will. Um, that's basically what you're doing when you're doing this kind of thing. So. Um, I think it's you know something that maybe it really really needs to be take taken a look at, and for people that's out there actually doing this, this is just really you know this is a you know it's really bizarre and it's really taking it to a whole different level. And I think you know to kind of you know we got you know, sometimes you have to make an example out of some of these people that's doing this, and I think this is you know something that needs to be an example needs to be done. So we need to take a look at that, but. Uh, Wow, it's still it's it's shocking to hear. Even though I'm not too surprised by it, it's still shocking to hear that people are actually doing this kind of shit. Yeah, it's, it's, it's disturbing. I just thought I'd bring it up. I know a lot of my listeners, um, you know, have mentioned before on the show that there are some things they've heard here for the first time. You know, so I just want to put some things out there and make people aware. Because you never know when something like this can affect your life, you know, in some shape, form, or fashion. So. All right. Um, on Tuesday's show, Election Day 2015 on T2Q. Now, next Tuesday is not Election Day. But we will take a look at politics and where this country is going in 2016. Next Wednesday, uh, something that I know Crystal will enjoy a Halloween special, Phobias and Creepy Things. We'll take a look at what spooks you, but with a T2Q twist, of course. All of that is next week, Tuesday and Wednesday, on the Top Q Radio Show, followed by Zone Coverage. No experts, just opinions. And I said 10 p.m. Eastern, I think. All right, so we will go with final thoughts. And, Buck, I'll let you get yours Great show. Um, you know, I, I really I think we need, you know, medical, medical issues, um, specifically in, in any medical issues. I think there's something that we need to really take a look at. Um, cancer is a touchy subject, touchy subject for everyone. I think we all know somebody that's gone through it, that's lived through it, or died from it. Um, it's touched our lives. Some, you know, some of our lives has touched, touched us a little bit more than others. Um, but I really think there's a lot of strides being made. But I also think there's a lot of strides that we can make ourselves as individuals to try to combat this disease. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of advancement that has happened. But I think there's more advancement on from the homeopathic side than it is, you know, from a a scientific side. Um, Alternative medicines, I think, are going to be the wave of the future, uh, simply because a lot of the drug, drug manufacturers are creating medicines that have a lot of side effects, and you're having to take more and more, and it's getting expensive and, out, and, and hard to fight the disease. However, from the homeopathic side, 
if it's, if cancer is caught early. I think there's a lot of different ways we can fight this um, that are not as expensive, and you have a better chance at uh, surviving the disease and actually maybe, you know, never having it come out of remission. Um, so I think as long as you do research and things of that nature and, you know, try to make sure, you, you know, you have a, a health care physician, um, get annual checkups or every six-month checkups and things of that nature, exercise, try to eat right, those type of things all contribute to, you know, being able, if you do have the disease, um, they give you a better chance of recovery and keeping the disease in remission if you do happen to contract it. Um, as far as the the uh, the other subject, I think we've said enough on that. I'm just not going to say anything else on that because that's really, really shocking. <laughs> it's really uh-huh. shocking. Um, I had never heard anything like that. It was my first time hearing of it, and it's just, you know, it's just one more thing, um, especially if you're out there and you're being single that you have to deal with. Um, it's already bad enough about all the other things that you have to deal with, you know, especially, you know, whatever your sexual orientation may be. But then you got people out there that's actually giving this to other people. That's just really shocking. And the other person that they're giving it to is actually asking for it. And that's just a whole new level. But anyway, great show, um, informative. And hopefully people that are listening out there, will, you know, can draw some things from this. And if you know, maybe they can, you know, it'll help them in their daily lives. That's why I like doing this show. Everybody have a great night. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate that, and I appreciate um, you actually kind of spearheaded this show with the idea. So I appreciate that. And Crystal, shut it down for me before me and Buck get into some zone coverage. All right. Well, um, good show. For us, a, a topical uh, topic because of um, Breast Cancer Month. Um, and basically, I would say, um, again, just to reiterate what I've said before, um, just give support to those who are are helping those who are going through the, you know, this disease. Um, and for those who are actually facing it, you know, I would say, of course, be strong and um, lean on those who are around you. Allow people to help you. Um, accept the help that is offered. And, you know, uh, try to get support from those who have um, been through it. Uh, there's lots of, you do get a lot of professional help um, in the form of counselors and um, who assist you through the process? Um, through for myself, the, one of the best things uh, pers- people that I've ever uh, that helped me through it was a, a girl at work who just simply walked me through it, and she had literally just gone through what I went through. Uh, and every every situation is different, but um, there were things that she kind of pointed out that would happen. Um, that did happen, and not tell me, don't be surprised, that's going to happen, I'm going to feel this way. Um, uh, and I think one of the one of the biggest things, of course, was the hair. That's a very scary thing. Um, and it, you know, just literally falls out. <laughs> so, yeah. And then the, uh, some of the side effects of uh, chemo, which can be different depending on what type of chemo you're going through and how your body reacts. 
the for me the biggest thing that was um that hit struck me the most out of all of it and it was um the fatigue. That yeah. was um it was um unlike anything I've ever felt before. It's it's weakness, you know, to the core. <laughs> and it it was shocking to me. I I never I mean I've been tired before, but this is beyond being tired. So that that was the most yeah it was the most shocking thing I've ever experienced but um and then just you know just trying to get through the day and so I would say when you don't feel good you don't feel good and don't do anything um just you know if you if you are still working don't go into work and if you have the opportunity to not work I would say don't mm-hmm. <laughs> just you know go through it um because you will. If you don't have to, I would say just don't because you just um it's better for yourself and for your own mental and emotional and physical well being but if you have to, then you have to do what you have to do but um but yeah i you know you know good topic of course, um hopefully those who are experiencing it will um survive it and um but just you know for everyone just Make sure that you appreciate life that's all around you Definitely. and um, appreciate those people who really care for you and love you and um, let them know every day how much, you know, you care about them and that you love them. And then when you think about them, then text them or whatever, call them, um, just so they know. Because we never know. When will be our last day or last breath? So, um, so that's what I say. Just you know, experience life and enjoy it. And I look forward to next week. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Crystal. And uh, just a round of applause for everyone for tonight's show. Not just my show legends, but for those who participated on Twitter, King Merriweather and Lady T. I'm on Facebook, my man Old School, Tony up there in Memphis, Kimmy Menard in Memphis, um, uh, Bucks Future Baby Mama, Robin Peppers Hunt out there in Cali. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Jennifer Hong in Iowa, Felicia George. I don't know where Felicia is, but Felicia George shared her story of being a survivor. Um, Ty Richards, Christina Holden, uh, Danielle out there in Monroe, Louisiana. Just want to, you know, say thanks for chiming in and giving your two cents on um, how it's affected your life or the people around you. And we're just going to, you know, keep it going. We're going to keep it moving. And one day we'll be able to say, hey, you know, we finally have a cure for cancer. Uh, well, somebody will be able to say it. don't know if it will be any of us hearing it, but one day we hope that it's going to happen. In the meantime, just to everybody out there, keep your head up. Know that it has been done. People have beat it, um, and more people probably beat it than not. Uh, and that there is hope. Just hold on to that, that faith and know that you can be one of the positive statistics. All right, so like I said, I'm going to get into some zone coverage, but 
I want to thank TruthDevour.com, NickFestari.com, and CrystalHickerson.com for being sponsors of the show. I want to thank um, Steve Ryan for lending his music. The song Real Time, go to SteveRyan.com. And then my thanks to my show legends and tweet chatters and Facebookers for an interesting discussion about something very important. Uh, to get more information on the show, go to TalkToQ.com. I have a show calendar, and I actually have dates out there on the calendar now. I had a lot of to-be-announced as of lately, but I now have shows going all the way to Thanksgiving, I think, uh, minus a date or two. So go out there and see what's upcoming for T2Q for the holidays as they approach. And hang on for some zone coverage. Everyone else, peace out. Talk to you next Tuesday. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? <laughs> we got something to prove tonight, and we start the whole circle thing off. Help me, keep the thing moving. We knock out. Let's go. I am the greatest. Go play intramurals, brother. They are who we thought they were. You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. You play to win. Do you have any questions? I got a question. You got any excuses tonight, Roy? Playoffs? What are about? Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Be a dog. We don't need no meows. We don't need no cats. We need more dogs. But we talking about practice, man. What are we talking about? Practice? Zone coverage on T2Q, mainly football, the NFL, sideline to sideline, end zone to end zone. You know how we do it if you've been around longer than a week. Got my man Buck back on the line, and Buck, we're going to go through some things really quick. won't take too long. Um, Buck, let's start off first with a little news. Your boy, Jermichael Finley, has officially retired from the NFL. The man that you admired for most of his career Tweeted the other day on the 19th, he is forever grateful to have had the opportunity to play for the best organization with the best coaching staff in the National Football League. Now, you know, back in 2013, he had surgery to repair a broken vertebrae in his neck, and he was cleared to play football again in 2014, but he never got re-signed as a free agent. This is a 28-year-old guy. Uh, how do you feel that now that your favorite player, who 223 passes, 275, 2,700 yards, and 20 touchdowns, has now retired? First of all, he's not my favorite fucking player. For those that's out there and, uh, you know, listening, uh, <laughs> this is a guy that never played up to his full potential. Um, 
that's the reason why I talked about them the way I did for the people that don't listen to the show on a regular basis. Um, I have a very big problem with people that don't play their potential simply because I think you should. And, you know, this is somebody that dropped the ball repeatedly. Um, they call themselves a professional. Um, and when you got somebody throwing throwing the football to you, like Aaron Rodgers, there's no excuse for it. Um, it's unfortunate that his career was cut short because, you know, he had some vertebrae issues in his neck. But it was also obvious that the rest of the NFL also noticed his inability to hold on and secure a football. So, you know, I'm glad that the motherfucker actually retired because he was a piece of shit and did not play to his full attention. You rough, bro. (laughs) uh, I am so happy that this waste of talent is no longer gracing or ungracing the football sidelines in the National Football League. I wouldn't put him on the worst team. I wouldn't even – put him as a guest on Madden because his joker did not play to his full potential. So it's glad, I'm, I'm glad that he announced his retirement because, you know, it's that, we all should celebrate and have a fireworks show because this motherfucker won't be standing on the side of right, anybody. I spent time talking about Jamaica. <laughs> he had a $10 million, $10 million disability policy that he, um, he should be able to collect on, so that's good that that's he great. had that in place. All right, but hopefully he will. Hopefully he be a little bit smarter, and hopefully in whatever he does after football, hopefully he damn sure won't be an announcer. But hopefully he will find something that you know maybe again in the real estate or something like that. And you, hey, you don't want the man to announce. No, I don't want him to announce. I don't even want him to coach Lily Pee Wee football because he. This is somebody that just he he was unproductive. Let's change the subject, please. Thank you. I don't yeah. want to hurt anybody else's ears with a few few curse words and <laughs> things of that nature because this motherfucker was sorry. <laughs> uh-uh. All right. So um, we'll go ahead and get into the games, and we will start with uh You just wanted to, do, you wanted to do that for my own benefit, didn't you? Yeah, I just wanted to just get you started. You wanted me to get fired up so I'd be hyped up for the show? That punk Joe Buck. Seattle two and four visits the Niners two and four, and normally two and four doesn't mean the type of game that you will watch. But given the history of this rivalry as of late, and the fact that if Seattle goes two and five, they could be through. How important is this game tomorrow? Who you like? Well, the way Seattle has played, and I think I think people have actually, you know, even though Cam Chancellor have made it back, um, I think I think that uh, the uh, the once fabled, um, you know, boom, you know, um, I think now that people got a blueprint on how to beat these guys. So, um, and plus, I, I really think that the losses that Seattle had on the offensive line, you know, you, Russell Wilson is running for his life on a weekly basis now. So, he, you know, he can't create like he used to. He can't get the ball downfield, even though they got Jimmy Graham there to help. He's still having some issues trying to get the ball downfield because he's having, he know he's running for his life. I think, I mean, conventional wisdom says Seattle should have the edge, but I really think the 49ers got the edge, even though they had their own set of losses. I mean, they pretty much had everybody either retire or end up getting in so much trouble that they they end up in jail. Um, so, 
Uh, I really think, um, you know, I really think that actually the 49ers have the edge. Um, so, uh, a very interesting game, but I really think that Seattle, this is a must win for Seattle because if they lose this game, they are out of it. I would believe so. I would Bold, believe so. Underline, italicize, yeah. you know, in quotation marks, whatever you want to say. They've got to get something out of um, Jimmy Graham. Um, I'm thinking Marshawn Lynch is playing. And, um, I mean, they're they're minus four and a half in this game on the road, and they just got to make it happen. They got to find some way to make it happen. Um, Buffalo three and three at Jacksonville one and five. Buffalo's minus four. And I want to say to the NFL, no way – and on God's green earth, am I going to get up out of bed at 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning and have to go to my laptop to watch this freaking game that's only being broadcasted online? I don't care if you all don't have no more than five people watch this game because there will probably only be five people in London in the stands. No one wants to see Buffalo and Jacksonville on freaking line. Whoever idea it was to exclusively have this game on line instead of on TV where it belongs needs to be taken outside, hung up by the toenails, and beaten with a rake. Uh, as far as the game is concerned, uh, Buck, who you like, B- Buffalo or Jacksonville? You actually don't ask me that, Buffalo. I mean, I, I, I mean, Jacksonville has has shown has made some strides. Um, I think Break Bortles is uh, the quarterback for the. They've actually done quite well, and they do have a young, very, very young team. But you got a defensive-minded coach, and and Rex Ryan. Um, really doesn't matter who they have at quarterback. They got you know they have you know capable quarterbacks in our way to fourth string. We saw that in preseason. Um, their defense is very formidable. So. As far as I'm concerned, this is a you know this would be my 21 pick of the week. Uh, so I think Buffalo hat wins this hands down by three touchdowns. Uh-uh. Okay. And no, it, it shouldn't be televised because I don't think it, it should be NC 17 because it's really not suitable for anybody under 17 to watch this ass whooping that's going to occur. No, the the NC stands for nobody cares. That's what it stands for. (laughs) All right. I'm upset with the NFL doing that. I mean, yeah, I can watch it, but I just think it's stupid taking games off of TV. Like it's like somebody going to be all clamoring to see the Bills and the Jaguars. Ooh, I will go a lot and watch the Bills and the Jaguars. Foolishness. All right. The Chargers are minus five at home with a two and four record against the two and three Raiders. Um, I actually like the Raiders in this one, but I, I, even though the Chargers are probably going to be, you know, our favorite at home, I think if they, the Raiders can get something out of Latavius Murray at the running back position, with Kenan Allen probably not going to play because he has, I think, he has an injured shoulder. Um, I think they can beat Philip Rivers despite him. Having having him that he, excuse me, despite the fact that he's thrown for a thousand more yards in their Carter season. This is an interesting game, um, but I kind of like the Raiders in this game too, 
And the reason why I like the Raiders in this game simply because um, with two back-to-back tough losses against two, you know, two tough teams with Pittsburgh and Green Bay, I just really think that it's really taking a lot of win out of the, out of the sales of the Chargers. The Chargers are one of these late November, early December teams. You know, they do enough to be nine and seven and kind of squeak into the playoffs. I just think this year, even though they have talent, um, they have you know Philip Rivers. It seems like he's going having a little bit of resurgence um, now that you got your you know you got your tight end back from you know four game suspension for Pete you know for performance enhancing drugs um, with Gates. Uh, he you know he's had two stellar games since he's been back, but I just don't think it's going to be enough to get by the Raiders. The Raiders are one of those scrappy teams that really you know they really know what you know they're you know they're up and coming. And uh, I think they're hungry. And this is just, you know, in order for them to be recognized, they got to beat these guys. And I really think they're going to they're gonna go over there and uh, I think they're going to do something. Okay. All right, moving on. The two and four Saints go on the road to battle the three and three Indianapolis Colts. Um, the Colts are minus five on this one. Even though the Colts haven't been playing well, Buck, I think they can beat the Saints. I know the Saints rose up and beat the Falcons last week at home, but um, I just don't see them. I just don't think the Saints are a good team. They have a lot of young players. They have a lot of injuries. I just don't think they're capable enough of capable of beating the Colts in Indy. What do you think? Well, we we all know that when the Indianapolis, I mean, when the Saints go up north. They typically don't do well, um, and I put no faith in the Saints winning outside of that dome. So with that being said, I don't think that the Saints have a snowball chance in hell in beating Indianapolis in Indianapolis. Now, if they were playing in New Orleans, I might pick them, but they're not. So they're playing in Indianapolis, they're going to get their ass stoned. So it'll be a close game, but I think it's one that Indianapolis will pull out. Okay. And let's see. The next game that we will check out. Uh, the 3-2 and two Vikings go visit the 1-5 Detroit Lions. The Vikings are minus two favorites. Um, the Vikings are kind of hit and miss. Now, Detroit rose up last week and played well, but I don't know if Detroit is going to go back to the 0-16 Detroit or last year's playoff Detroit. You don't know what you're going to get. And uh, I think the Vikings should be able to do enough to get over on this one. What do you think? This game is close. Um, This game could go either way. I I don't think that the Vikings have enough talent, you know, overall. Mm -hmm. The Lions have been close in some games, but, they, you know, they've come up short. But I think the Lions in, uh, last week, they you know they made some significant strides. Um, this game it could go either way. Um, but I'm well, really I'm kind of leaning back in September, twenty six to sixteen. I get that, but I'm really kind of leaning towards the Lions in this game. Okay. Okay. Matthew Stafford can duplicate what he did last week, then. Shouldn't be a problem at all. The question is, can he do it? The two and four Browns 
visit the two and three St. Louis Rams. The Rams are minus five. And I just think the Rams are catching stride right now and that they're better than the Browns. Got to go with the Rams. Um, Browns got some issues uh, with, you know, even though I know my man Johnny Football is not playing, but I think he's created enough buzz to the point to where that it's a distraction. Um, I know they're saying it's not a distraction. I know he's not being charged, yada, yada, yada. But this is something that's been in the news on the NFL, you know, NFL Network, on ESPN, even CNN, almost every single day since it should happen. So um, that's enough to slow him back. I know Mike Pitton, I think he's doing a fantastic job at you know getting the Browns competitive, and they're in the game week in and week out. The, the record does just just does not indicate that. Um, however, um, the Rams are one of those teams that are very very dangerous. They got a great defense. Um, the offense is you know is not is 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 up and coming, um, but they still have some issues. But I think the Rams is what, who I'm favoring in this matchup. I just don't think the Browns have enough. I don't think so either. Um, Cleveland right now, uh, they're again, they're not a bad team. They played the Broncos tough, and they just screwed up, you know, and they should have won. But uh, they're not quite there yet. I mean, they're minus three with their takeaway differential, and I think that's making the difference um, with them. Their passing has been fine. They're top ten passing in the league, you know. But their problem is that they're last in the um, defending the run. And when you're last in defending the run and you're playing Ty Gurley, who's coming into his stride with the Rams, you got a problem. All right. Um, the Buccaneers, two and three, going up against the two and four Redskins. The Redskins are minus three and a half, and Buck, the Redskins have been competitive this year, you know. And uh, with them being competitive, this might be something they can um, – Kind of chalk up as possibly an easy win, or do you think Tampa Bay has upset on the mind? They can have it on the mind, but they got to actually do it. The Redskins ain't no pushover team, um, and I think Jameis Winston is making some strides. Um, you know, it's going to take a little bit. I mean, Tampa Bay has a young team as well. Um, they have a lot of you know young components that have not quite gelled or know how to play together yet. Um, they're not playing to their strength because they just don't know each other yet. Uh, now that sounds, you know, you figured they would do that in preseason, which they do. However, I just, I just think that you know, sometimes it takes a little bit longer for them to develop, and I think that's what you got with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Kirk Cousins has actually stepped in and actually looks somewhat decent. Um, they took a gamble on him. Um, Gruden did, and they're actually been, you mean, they're they're scrappy. So, I, I kind of like Red the Redskins in this matchup. Okay. And moving on. Um, oh, I want, also wanted to mention that Tampa Bay is number uh, four in the league in passing defense. So, Kirk Cousins may have a hard time. All right. Um the Texans two and four battled the two and three Dolphins. The Dolphins are minus four and a half. The Dolphins had their little resurgence with Dan Campbell being the coach now. 
But uh, all right, he got that first game out of the way. Can he do anything with J.J. Watt and the Texans? Well, J.J. Watt is, we all know he's the monster that he is, and he's going to get his. However, he's just one guy. Uh, Miami has a lot of different components on defense. Um, maybe with this new coach and a new philosophy, you know, people like Adama can sue, can actually dominate. Um, maybe Cameron Wake can, you know, play to his potential. Um um, you know, really and truthfully, I, I kind of have to, you know, as much as I'd like to pick Houston, I'm kind of favoring Miami in this one simply because um, their quarterback, I think, is a little bit better, and they can actually step out there. You know, they can, they have, you know, they have a more experienced group, and then, you know, offense in Houston and their quarterback is just not, not in sync. I mean, one week is Hoyer. One week, one week is the other quarterback. Then you know there's always constant turmoil at the quarterback position in Houston. And with that being said, you just don't know what you you know each week. So, you know during the game, you know, and you really can't get any continuity, and the team really can't figure out who they want. You know, figure out who you know who to play at quarterback. And with that much instability, I got to pick Miami. Okay, interesting. Um, I think if, if they were playing in Houston, I would go with um, Houston. But I think Miami right now, they're kind of riding a little high, and they're trying to turn into bullies, uh, even without Richie Incognito. So I, I'm going to go with them as well over Houston. All right, so now we move on to your boys. The 4-2 and two Steelers take on the 1-5 and five Chiefs. The Steelers are minus two. Now, Buck, a lot of times people look at this as a trap game, but I just don't think Kansas City has anything for the Steelers, regardless of who the quarterback is. I happen to agree with you on that. Um, it's really tough. You know, what the Steelers have been able to accomplish with, you know, a little bit with Michael Vick and last week with Landry Jones, um, I think the thing that's being overshadowed here is our 17 sacks. And, you know, the other. I think we got five or six interceptions. I'm not sure on the interception total. But our defense has stepped it up, and they stepped it up tremendously. Since week one, no team has scored more than 16 points against us. So um, I really think the defense has stepped up. Um, they're playing good. Um, everybody, on the, everybody on the linebacking core has gotten a, a sack. So, you know, the defensive line, our front seven is really playing at a, at a very, very high level. And the secondary has stepped up as well. Uh, we've gotten injuries um, on the offense and defensive side of the ball. But the Chiefs, without their star running back, and somehow, somehow or another, they, you know, they're having a problem trying to get the receivers to um, catch, catch the ball and get touchdowns. Um, even though they got Macklin, and you know they got a good good tight end as well. I can't think of his name right off the right off the bat. Kelsey, um, Travis Kelsey. Kelsey. But um, you know now that they don't have that running back, so they can't play action pass. I really think that really hurts their chances at at winning this game, even though they're at home. So I got to go with my boys. Okay, I believe you all should roll on this one, and. Uh... I mean, Steelers, like 
I've kind of found your groove with the passing game a little bit, but you still got to make sure you get Antonio Antonio Brown back in that thing. But being plus six and takeaway differential second in the league is definitely not going to hurt against a team like Kansas City. All right, the three and three Eagles, first place Eagles take on the five and zero Panthers. The Panthers are two and a half favorites. I think the Panthers are going to whoop the brakes off the Eagles. What you got? I think, think the Panthers are going down. I I would like to pick the Panthers in this, but I think it, it, the Eagles look like they're starting to make a little bit of a stride, bro. Um, okay. I really, you know, I'm I'm really going against the Eagles simply because I, you know, I really wasn't a fan of what Chip Keller has done to the team. But all of a sudden, you know, I, I had him, you know, penciled out by week five because they were they were one and four. So all of a sudden, these guys have kind of turned it around a little bit and they started playing. Maybe he, I don't know whether he changed the playbook or maybe he just had that come to Jesus meeting with him. But in any event, these guys are playing some inspired football right now. Um, I just don't think that, I mean, the, the Panthers are playing some really good football. And I really think that Cam, you know, Cam Newton has made some significant strides. However, I just, you know, there's still some, there's still some question marks at wide receiver for the Panthers. And I really think when – I mean, there's question marks on the Eagles side, too. I just don't know. This is an matchup it could go away. But I'm kind of leaning towards the Eagles in this one. That sounds weird, but I'm actually kind of leaning towards the Eagles in this one. Okay. Um, I'm not. I think they played poorly the other night, even though they just happened to play against um, a sorry Giants team. And uh, I'm – just not sold on them. I do think they've improved a little bit, but I'm just not sold on them. So I'm taking Carolina in this one. The Cowboys two and three against the Giants three and three, and the Giants are minus five and a half. Man, I don't know what to say about this game because I don't know if Matt Castle is going to, what he's going to do. I don't even know if um, Joseph Randall's going to get a load of the carries because they're talking about starting. Chris Michael at running back or giving him a majority of the carries. So there's a lot of – I don't know if Des Bryant's going to play. I hope he doesn't. There's a lot of uncertainty going behind this game. I'm taking the Giants at home because I expected these teams to split anyway. What about you? Taking Dallas. I have no confidence in what Eli Manning does. Um, I know that both teams, when they were in Philadelphia and the Giants played the other night, I know both teams have uh, – they played very, very sloppy. It's probably the – Sloppiest Monday night game that's ever been televised in the National Football League, in my opinion. Um, however, Eli is off. Okay, the Giants team is off. I know they've made a significant try, uh, stride in these last few weeks trying to save their coach's job, but you know he's on the hot seat every year. But Eli Manning, is, I mean, this boy at least throws what? I think he's got one of the highest interception totals in the league right now. How many interceptions you got? Six, seven? Um, Eight? Right now, Eli Manning has um, – Eli Manning has just four. Just four? Okay. Well, anyway – I, just I think most of them came in the last game, but yeah, yeah. you okay. might be thinking so about that, Sam that Bradford. Yeah, more. 
Well, Sam Bradford got a bunch. But anyway, in any event, I really think that I think Dallas is going to pull this one out because simply because I think Matt Castle can give them an element. You know, first of all, he can get the ball to Jason Witten, who's been non-existent um, with your other quarterback. Um, not really sure what y'all going to do at running back because that, that's really kind of crazy what y'all are thinking about doing, what I've been seeing in the press. But um, in any event, if Jason Witten is involved, I think that's your X factor, uh, regardless to whether, you know, Bryant plays or not. And even though they have all the injury, all the injuries y'all have, cause y'all got triage set up on the sideline. I really think Dallas is going to pull out, pull it out in this one, simply because it's a division game, and y'all y'all seem to play better when y'all not at home, especially. Against yeah, that's the true. So I'm, I'm going to pick the, the Cowboys in this one, regardless to the injuries and everything else. I think the Cowboys are going to pull this one out. I think in order for Dallas to pull this out, it looks like Randy Gregory might play. If he plays on the other side of Greg Harder, of Greg Hardy, uh, Hardy, then they're going to should be able to generate some pressure against Eli and force turnovers. If they force turnovers, then uh, it should be an easy win. But uh, if he plays, I definitely feel a lot better about Dallas's chances. All right, the Jets four and one, Patriots are five and zero. Oh. The Jets are minus nine favorites, but so I'm excuse me, the Patriots are. So they're not giving any respect to the New York football Jets and giving them an opportunity to beat the juggernaut known as the Patriots. How do you feel about that? You agree? Yeah, I agree. Um I know the Jets got a good defense, but they don't have enough offense to the the state keep paying the uh Patriots. Uh, the Patriots are playing angry right now, and they have a, you know, it's like a personal vendetta against the league. Um, so with that being said, the Jets is just another doormat in the, you know, in New England's way. And, you know, New England has been trying to put up at least 35-plus points on every team that they play, and the Jets are not going to be any exception. Um, this is going to be one of, you know, this is one of those games where, you know, you're going to think there's like, five or six, um, you know, five or six guys out the quarterbacks out there that all look the same and kicking ass like his commercial does. So um, I just don't see the Jets, even with the, uh, the formal defenses they have, having any chance at beating Tom Brady <laughs> at all. So, you know, this is another one of those games that could at least be up by two touchdowns. Uh-huh. Maybe even three. Well, um, I think that looking at their schedule, um, if the Jets don't beat them, let's see, the Jets play them again in New York on December 27th. Because uh, I think the Patriots go to mile high and destroy Peyton Manning. I'm not even concerned about that. I think if the Jets don't beat them this year, Buck, I think the Patriots go undefeated again in the regular season. Uh, it's a little bit too early to crown them as undefeated just yet. I mean, I'm quite I sure. I ain't saying they're going to win Super Bowl. But, I mean, looking yeah. at their schedule, man, I mean, they're not going to lose to anyone in their division, to me, other than the Jets. I don't think Buffalo is playing well. Uh, not their defense. 
they're not going to lose to yeah. the Dolphins or, or the Redskins. I don't even think they're going to lose to the Giants, even though the Giants have always beaten them. Uh, they're not going to lose to the Eagles. They're probably not going to lose to the Texans or the Titans. I don't see them losing if, if the Jets can't beat them in one of these two yeah, games. I just, they might lose in the playoffs. Yeah. But I, I don't know just yet. We just, I'm not ready to say they're undefeated yet. I'm not ready to say that just yet, but uh, I'm we'll see. I'm just I say crown. Nah. We'll uh, see. We ain't crowned them yet. We're not crowned them. Not ready to crown them. <laughs> <laughs> the Falcons, the ATL Falcons, minus three and a half favorites over the TEN Titans. Uh, <laughs> the Falcons are five and one. The Titans are one and four. Even though they're playing in Tennessee, in Nashville, I, the Falcons coming off a loss, they have to win this game, right? Um, actually, I mean, now with Mariota down, uh, I don't think they have enough steel philosophy in, you know, since this is kind of like Tennessee mid, you know, I don't know, in the South or whatever you want to call it because they, they got a lot of steel coaches there as well. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if Mariota's playing, but even if it is, I mean, Atlanta's playing I think he's some, some suit. Yeah, I, I really think that Atlanta, you know, they're one of those teams that, you know, they know how to – they are built to come from behind if they get behind. And they also have a good enough defense where they can, you know, they can stand, you know, they can stand tall. I don't see Atlanta losing this game unless they turn, you know, unless they have a lot of turnovers. Um, Atlanta's, you know, kind of cleaned up some of that, you know, some of that – Suspect play they've had in recent years. Um, Matty Ice is actually playing at a high level, like he always has. Uh, minimal mistakes. Atlanta all the way in this one. Yeah, I think Atlanta's going to do their thing in this one as well. And the last one, the Monday night game, the 1-5 Baltimore Ravens taking on the Fresh off of a loss, four and two Arizona Cardinals at the University of Phoenix Stadium. Cardinals are minus seven and a half. I don't see any way Baltimore wins this game. I don't either. <laughs> I don't either. Baltimore has, you know, fall victim to what the Saints have also done, which is get rid of too much talent. Um, you you know you ship out you ship to your star players. One this past year, and one two years ago, or a year ago, or whatever, and Bolden and and then um, and Torrey Smith, and now they're out there in San Francisco. You also get rid of your run stopper um, in Haloni Nata, sending him out to Detroit, and then you lose to Real Suggs. Uh, this team is a shadow of his former self. Flacco is wacko. You know he's not getting it done. Um, I know he's got a Super Bowl mm. ring, and we, we put the ones in the in Super Bowl rings on a pedestal. But at the same time, we've all, you know, we've all, even before he won that ring and even afterwards, he's been suspect. Because Flacco just, I mean, he may can win the division games, but outside the division, this rascal just can't, he's just not getting it done. And, you going, you know, you're going out to Phoenix, and that heat, you know it's going to be hot. And, you know, they got a heat wave out there, and they're going to make y'all wear them dark jerseys. They are in massive trouble. And plus the Cardinals coming off a loss, too. 
they gonna. I'm afraid they may they may be feasting on it. It may be three twenty one picks this week. Looking pretty bad for the, for the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, I mean, they got to keep their running backs healthy and keep things going at the running back position because I think that's going to be the key to victory. Uh, to be honest with you, Ravens and, might want to get may may want to get their wife beater back, and get him back there in that backfield. I don't know if they'd ever this try thing. to get him back. To be honest with you, man. I don't know Somebody if they would ever try to get him back. Somebody need to get him before the trade deadline. That's all I got to say because there's a lot of teams out there that could use him. Hmm. All right, man. So, you have anything before I shut this thing down? Yes, I do. Uh, this marks the 15th anniversary of uh, the last win of Dale Earnhardt. They've been talking about it all week. Uh, a lot of the drivers and and, uh, and uh, team owners and and crew chiefs and things were talking about this. It's been 15 years since Dale Earnhardt won his 76th victory in Talladega. He won 10 races there, restricted flight races. And, you know, they had a, a tribute to him this week um, in words on, on NASCAR.com that is a fitting tribute because, I mean, the last race that Dale Earnhardt won, uh, he came out with five laps left, started in 18th position coming out of the pits and coming back dropped as far back as 21st and came back for the last lap to win that race against Mike Skinner. Um, one of the most dynamic race wins that I've ever seen. And that was uh, also the Noble 5 Winston uh, Million where the driver wins a million and you win a million for a fan. It was one of the most dramatic races I've probably ever seen in the history of NASCAR. I mean, it was just very, very good. And, um, you know, we did not know at that time that that would be his last race win because we know he lost his life in Daytona the following year um, in 2001. But Earnhardt won three races that year and was in the top four in points going after, um, you know, going after his, you know, that elusive eighth championship. Um, Very good race. And Earnhardt, you know, he went out a champion and, you know, he went out a winner as well. But one of the most dynamic races I've ever seen. And um, that's the 15th anniversary of that. Also, um, Kurt Busch uh, re, um, signed a multi-year deal with uh, Stuart Haas Racing um, to continue his career with Stuart Haas, multi-year deal with Monster Energy. Um, they're going to be their primary sponsor and also going to be sponsors on the hood and on the quarter panel um, in other races, along with uh, Haas, Haas, Haas Automation. Um, so that means that everybody's pretty much sold up with, uh, you know, even uh, – Danica Patrick, she's got a new sponsor with um, Nature Made, Nature Brand Breads, um, because uh, I think Big, the GoDaddy is finally uh, they're they're moving on elsewhere. And I know NASCAR is also looking for a new title sponsor because I think Sprint's pulling out, so they're looking for a new title sponsor for the year. There've been rumors that Budweiser may be the new title sponsor. Uh, same logical. And you know, it hadn't been right since Winston left. I know, you know. Cigarettes are, you know, people are against those. But Budweiser being a title sponsor, or maybe even Bush moving up, and Bush was a title sponsor for the uh, Nationwide Series, is what it's called now. Um, but well, actually, it's called the Xfinity Series now. But Bush may also be a title sponsor for the for the Cup Series, um, which is now known as Sprint Cup. 
So a lot of a lot of different things going on in NASCAR. And um, Dale Jr. this week is looking for a win because he's going to have to win to get in to go to that next round. And this is one of you know Dale Jr. has six restricted plate wins at this racetrack, and he won in the spring. So Dale Jr. is looking pretty com- You know, he feels pretty confident that he can win in Talladega. And if he wins, he'll go to the next round. So we'll see how things work out this weekend in Talladega. This is one of my favorite race weekends. And if I get a chance to go to Talladega, I'm going, even though I know my boy is playing in Kansas City this weekend. I love me some stock car racing. So hopefully Dale Jr. can pull it out and make make it look good this weekend. All right. That sounds cool, man. We'll see what happens there. And I appreciate that. I'll go ahead and get ready to shut this thing down, bruh. And everyone, you've been listening to Zone Coverage on the Top Key Radio Show. Me and the homie Buck, the man in black, doing his thing. Get more show information over at www.talktheq.com. All right? And try to keep up with us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Good Radio Network, Podcast Alley, Spreaker. Almost anywhere you can find a podcast, you can find T2Q. So everyone have a good night. Peace out. Buck, Buck, I'll catch you on the next one. Sounds good. Peace out. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? Let me thank you for having me on your show. It's so awesome to be here with you and all your listeners. My name is Quincy. And this is my show, the Talk to Q Radio Show. Call it, go ahead. I was told that I was a man-eater. I never really have a lot of pity for females when it comes to relationships. It's almost like posting a blog, except I'm doing it live. Now, let me bring Amanda on the line. I didn't realize she was holding there. Amanda, what's going on? Hey, Q. Hey, everybody. Does that make sense? I like that. I'm going to say that again one day. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that came out. Oh, all kinds of freaky. That's not what I meant. (laughs) Follow you guys. Thanks. Peace out.